Support for the WSHU podcast Off the Path comes from Opair in America, cultural exchange childcare for more than 30 years. Opairinamerica.com. Tiffany lampshades made of leaded glass are icons of American art. Louis Comfort Tiffany showed them to the public for the first time in the 1890s. It was always assumed Tiffany designed all his lamps, but it took a century to recognize the contributions of the women who designed many of them, thanks to some long-lost letters. This is Off the Path from WSHU Public Radio. I'm Davis Donovan, looking for stories in unexpected places on the road from New York to Boston. A hundred lit Tiffany lamps beam out from glass cases on the fourth floor of the New York Historical Society. The walls are awash in a dark purple hue. Museum director Marky Hofer, who helped put together this exhibit, says the color is intentional. The dark purple is a real jewel-like tone, and it's meant to evoke that rich aesthetic that's captured in the Tiffany lamps. And the biggest hit is often the dragonfly design. The dragonfly lamps capture dragonflies hovering over a watery landscape. Their wings are rendered with metal filigree, so it gives some real texture, and their eyes are done with glass jewels. Louis Tiffany was the son of the luxury department store guy. He came up with his own take on the traditional stained glass of the time. With the color internally created through chemicals, not just solid colors, but all sorts of intermixed colors, streaks and models and all sorts of special effects within the glass. His family money and connections helped him launch a glassmaking studio in the late 1800s. He created this glass initially for windows and in order to create the rich effects without having to paint on the glass, he could use this special internally colored glass. He sold the lamps from his extravagant Manhattan showroom. Hofer says they were a big hit among New York City's upper crust during the appropriately named Gilded Age. A lavish home might have one hanging over the dining table, might have one in the office. Tiffany hired hundreds of employees to make the lamps in two New York City locations. They stooped over tables to cut the glass and pieced together mosaic-style designs held together with strips of lead. He split the workers up by gender. Men assembled the lamps with geometric shapes and precise lines. Women assembled the lamps with nature scenes like birds or fish or flowers because Tiffany thought women were just naturally better with creative nature designs. But it turns out Tiffany didn't design all his lamps. Far from it. He relied heavily on people to design windows, lamps, small luxury objects. There's no way uh, one person could have done it all. And we know this because of two caches of letters found by two Tiffany scholars in 2005. The letters were written by an employee named Clara Driscoll to her family in Ohio. Each letter begins, Dear Ones. My last lampshade was accepted, and I'm having it made now. It will be quite expensive, but I think it will be attractive and that the general public will admire it. The one before this was a purple and red scheme with opal to lighten and soften it. Mr. Tiffany thought it was very fine. 
Driscoll worked her way up to the head of Tiffany's Manhattan studio. She left the job when she got married. Louis Tiffany didn't hire married women. That was kind of common for the time. But the marriage failed, and she came back to her old job. She oversaw dozens of women, and she made a good salary for a woman at the turn of the 20th century, as much as $1,800 a year. But she sometimes felt discouraged about her work. She wrote about a trip to a shop in Queens to see fine artists at work making avant-garde pottery. I realize that I have certain limitations, which they do not. They never consider anything but the question of beauty, while I have to consider the cost of production at every step. Besides being interrupted in my work, by all manner of things relating to business rather than art. But there is this comfort. I can earn more than any of them, and that is something. Driscoll revealed in the letters she was responsible for many of Tiffany's iconic designs, including the wisteria, the daffodil, and the dragonfly. This dragonfly lamp is an idea that I had last summer. It's for an electric light, and it's going to be dragonflies with gauze wings. I want to submit the idea to Mr. Tiffany. Driscoll said in the letters she often worked collaboratively, and other women in the department sometimes helped her with the designs. Margie Hofer worked with Tiffany scholars pouring through Driscoll's letters, and then she was part of a team that created this now permanent exhibit. It celebrates Driscoll and her female employees' contributions to history's most famous lamps. It was definitely a highlight of my curatorial career to work on a project uh, that had such an impact and that brought an unsung genius into the limelight that they really deserved. The exhibit also has a place where visitors can design their own lamps. Nine-year-old A.J. Morris holds a stylus and stands in front of a long table lined with colored glass, low enough for him to see all the pieces. He gets help from his mom and from Margie Hofer. Tap on one of the pieces of metal with your stylus. With the stylus. See how it lights up? Yeah. Wow. Or, or I get it now. You see him changing the colors? Uh-huh. Like periwinkle and purple. Oh, now it's yellow. This exhibit is an eye-opener for A.J.'s mom, Heather Morris. I didn't know that the Tiffany lamps were made by women. And I didn't know you had to quit when you got married. It's tempting to read this as a case of a man stealing credit for a woman's work. But Hofer says this is not unusual in commercial art. It continues today. If you think about fashion houses, did Calvin Klein or Yves Saint Laurent design every item of clothing? In her letters, Clara Driscoll admires Louis Tiffany. Her letters paint him as a father figure who defended her against criticism from male colleagues. Mr. Tiffany sailed this morning, and before he left, said that I had great creative ability, and he was much pleased with my work. So Clara seemed to enjoy her job, but only got public recognition for her work once in her lifetime. It was at the 1900 World's Fair in Paris when her legendary dragonfly lamp won a bronze medal at the fair. This is Off the Path from WSHU Public Radio. I'm Davis Donovan, illuminating history's forgotten tales on the road from New York to Boston.